What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Totem Talks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we did it. We Season did. Season 2, episode 23. 23. Mm-hmm. Almost there. I don't know about me, but I'm feeling 23. There you go. <laughs> you made it work. <laughs> Just I when always, we thought you'd be you'd be done with that bit for another season. I always make it work. That's literally the only thing I can do is make it work. Yeah. I heard it, we can yeah. work it out. That's true. That sounds like we're doing the Beatles today. We already did we, them. Yeah, we did that a long time way ago. Way back in our first ever episode. Yeah, you're but right. I feel like maybe a couple years from now we'll do them again when we're Revisit actually, them a little bit. Well, because now we're good at it. That's true. That's <laughs> yeah. Much we're much then better. Then it than was we used to it be, was really just We had gosh. no idea what we were doing. I went back. I mean, we still don't, but I'll tell you before we get started, Nick. Sure. Uh, before we welcome everybody in, I'm, yeah, I, right. I went you guys back. wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, you guys will be fine. Uh, I went back to to pull audio because I want to eventually put together a trailer mm-hmm. for this, like you sure, know, yeah. to put up in the like, ad it. space. And I went all the way back and started listening to season one, and was like, okay, the first ten episodes, I just can't pull from. Right. No, yeah, we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> can't do it. Um, yeah, that's fair. But hey, we're better now. Exactly, it and takes we time. appreciate you sticking for sticking, sticking with, with us, with yeah. us for getting through that t- together. Exactly. Uh, so welcome, welcome in to uh, another episode of Totem Talks. Yeah, and and an exciting one at that. I'll say. Sure, I'll say that mostly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's <laughs> things to be excited about. I feel today, I reasonably would say. excited. That's good. Um, why don't we introduce ourselves? Uh, this is Totem Talks. Uh, you found us, and uh, I'm Pat, and I am Nick, and with us we have nobody, no one at just all, just the two of us hanging out as besties slash frenemies. Right? Uh, it's I, it's quite it's that dynamic that keeps people coming back. A hundred percent. We're only frenemies when uh, we disagree on right. literally anything, because then we are both right, and the then most I hate everything humans. about you. Yeah, which is of course wow. a segue. I'm gonna start a riot. <laughs> that is. Ah. Uh, that is, of course, a segue into the three artists that we're covering today. We're starting off with Three Days Grace. Yep. We are then traveling to Kansas and then closing things out with Joe Cocker. Yeah. Yes, we are. Now, we're about to get started with Three Days Grace, but I just want to say this is the fourth band that pretty much revolved around the number three that we've done so far. Yeah. I mean, we just had a band that started with three and then the yeah. next word started with D last week. <laughs> They're so, very similar. But we've had Three Dog Night, right? Three Doors Down, yeah. Three Days Grace, Third Eye Blind. You're you're absolutely right. All of them revolving around and the number the three. And 13th Floor Elevators. Wow. Didn't even think of mm-hmm. that. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you for well, that one. Uh, so in, this, in that case, since you already brought it up, should I just say for our Three Days Grace section... Just go re-listen to us talk about Three Doors Down and we'll move on, or? Ah, uh, yeah, I mean, basically. Because <laughs> uh, they were basically the same three albums, no, right? No, I have, <laughs> I have things to talk about, Okay, though. fair enough. You can um, do that. But, yes, we did listen to Three Days Grace. Uh, three Days Grace is a Canadian rock band. That was something I learned. That's true, yeah, I had no I, idea. Uh, they were formed in 1997, and uh, they have six studio albums. That they do. And we listened to literally half of their studio albums. You're right. Uh, so we listened to their eponymous debut, Three Days Grace, if you didn't catch on. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we listened to One X, and then we listened to Outsider. Yeah. So, those were uh, them. Yeah. And that's that. Um, do you want to get started with Three Days Grace? Oh, boy, do I. Oh, good. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, Nick said they're three doors down. Yeah. Maybe a better singer, maybe a worse singer. It depends on your taste in singing. Um, the song it was it was honestly listening to this was the real time it it clicked to me. I think early two thousands is as immediately recognizable a genre as the eighties. Yeah, 
Oh, to- you're totally right, because like, my very first note was an album that firmly places itself in 2003 right away. Like, immediately. almost immediately, the second it comes on, I think there's two genres that really get that. I think it's this sort of, like, I, I technically it's called post-grunge, but that's almost insulting to grunge. It definitely is. Uh, and then the other one that really cements itself in the early 2000s is, like, the Fallout Boy Panic at the Disco and mm-hmm. then even further into like the emo sound. Sure, totally. Um, but absolutely as iconic to the early 2000s as grunge is to the 90s, mm-hmm. as new wave is to the 80s. I agree. I, like really struck me. And yeah, it's very clear. Yeah, so I will start talking about uh, Three Days Grace, the album. And that's pretty much it. It's repetitive. It's depressing. It's kind of the messages of grunge with that like, you know, depressing lyrics, all, all the really hard hitting lyrics but without those interesting chordal structures to go with it. Sure. One of the things that make grunge interesting is that it kind of doesn't do what you think it should do in the music. Mm-hmm. So you get these weird like dissonances and you get these weird sounds that create interesting emotion. Yeah. Post-grunge doesn't. <laughs> it's right. it's like you take classic rock but make it worse. Way worse. <laughs> Significantly worse. Uh that's pretty much it. I mean, he's yeah. not he's not a bad singer. Right. That's what I'll yeah, say. And again, you know, I didn't find this album like bad or offensive. No. But at the same time, if I'd never heard another post grunge album at that point, it would be too soon. That's, like, <laughs> that's really great. That's a great way to put it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I'm so... just done with the genre. We tried with Three Doors Down, we tried with Daughtree, we tried again with Three Days Grace. Like it and every time it has done absolutely nothing for me, even yeah. though I acknowledge that it's not bad. It's just yeah. there, there's nothing Nothing between any of those bands that distinguishes one from the other. The the music is all just, it feels like the same album every single time. Yeah, and uh, I think and the annoying. ones that are different, the ones that are different enough to stick out are the ones you've probably heard of. Right, the, the specific songs, yeah. you mean. Like from this album, I mean, had you asked me to name a Three Days Grace song before we started this week, I would have said, I, I know one, and, and it's I, I Hate Everything, everything about, about You. Yeah. Which is a g- good song. Yeah. I enjoy the I song. I feel like you knew Never Too Late. I did, but I didn't know it was Three yeah. Days Grace, which I'll get um, into well, with the yeah, next but one. But absolutely, because that song is good. It's right. not a lyrical masterpiece, but no, but it's there's got interesting that anger, riffing, it makes you there's feel it, build high energy. Yeah, I, and that's all good and fine. But yeah. there's nothing else that you're really gonna take away from this album. I thought maybe the song "Wake Up" stood out as maybe the second best yeah. track, but other than that, it's just the same, the same, the same, the same. I had I have "Wake Up" as a positive. The chorus vocal is mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah, totally. And the instrumentation is all right. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, the one the, the one thing I want everyone to take away is the song "Overrated" mm. because. Nothing is funnier to me than a band like Three Days Grace writing a song about a band getting overrated airplay on the radio. Yeah, I mean, and I was, I literally was like, "Did you write this mm-hmm. about yourself?" Yeah, it was just yeah, really you're, funny you're right. to me. Um, so should I just carry on to one X then? Might as well. I mean, yeah. honestly, okay. Here's the thing: we are kind of glossing over them because we don't want to be super mean. I agree. I just, I really, I, I feel like we've done this I mean, before. Exactly. My feelings are going to be very similar to things I talked about with those previous bands that I mentioned. Uh, so going into One X, like you said, the song Never Too Late was on there. I heard, I was like, oh, I know this song. Yeah. But had you asked me before this week, I wouldn't have known it was Three Days Grace, which is rare. Sure. Because usually if I know a song, I know who sings it <laughs> almost all the time. Um, but that was a fine, decent hit. I don't have any problems with it. Yeah. Um, 
but everything, despite having a new lead guitarist in the band, they were a power trio for the the first record. And now there there are four people in the band, a second guitarist, uh, Barry Stock, who has joined as the lead guitarist. But musically, nothing has really changed. Not at all. I mean, like it's pretty. Again, it's it's the same. There things are things over that have changed that I, I will talk about. But uh, I thought there were some like clunkier lyrical things that went on in this record. Fascinating. Um, Get out alive. I thought was was pretty clunky at, so, at times. And I also thought like uh, there was the song Pain. It wasn't a bad song, but it was just super cliche. Okay. Now, will it change your opinion at all if I tell you that Adam? I believe his name is Gontier or Gontier. I think it's yeah. Gontier. Yeah, sure. Uh, wrote this most of this album while in rehab. Oh, I knew that. Okay, I knew yeah, that. So I, I read about that ahead of time. I and I get think it. Some of the stuff is. See, it's definitely not all. It's it's over. See, this is it's the rehashed. part where I think most of it. I, I mean, I was just. I'm so bored by this type of music that yeah. when things are bad, they really stick out. Yeah, and otherwise, I'm just like. Oh, when is this going to be over? It's the same song 12 times in a row. <laughs> um, but again, not to say that there weren't good moments. Uh, there was plenty of, of bad, boring cliche. Yeah. Um, but the song over and over, I thought, might have been one of the stronger ones from the record. Um, and I thought it was cool that for just a, a little bit, just for a moment in the song Gone Forever, they actually used an acoustic guitar. And I was like, oh, yeah. nice. And then that went away eventually. But Well, they used the acoustic guitar know. in Never Too Late. Fair enough. For part of it, yeah. Right. Uh, okay, I'll I'll go. Yeah, go ahead. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I'm a little more forgiving of the lyrics on this one, uh, mainly because I had, I mean, I had to do the research. So I guess as like an average listener, I wouldn't have felt this way, but I related to what he was saying because I I could see like, oh, he's talking about this. He's talking about this, like his specific life. Sure. Which. Honestly, I'm okay if you're going to do that. I'm okay and with actually, it too. And actually, I'm more okay with you doing that in this post-grunge era because I feel like the biggest problem with post-grunge that we've had is the lyrics, instead of being these like hard-hitting, personal, raw, emotion lyrics that actual grunge is, mm-hmm. they're way too safe. Yeah. And so I feel like, yeah, they still do borderline on cliche, but at least that they're That was personal. definitely cliche. I mean, I just felt... And maybe I'm just going hard on them because... I don't like the the genre of music all that much. Yeah, but it just and, felt and don't like get me wrong. There's if a you're going to talk like. about these same things, like plenty of other musicians have gone through similar struggles with addiction and have written yeah. about it in more unique and interesting ways. Yeah, I I completely understand. Uh, but for me, I didn't mind it. I thought there was Never Too Late was the big highlight for me for them as a group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like the song uh, Riot. Oh really? Uh, and the and the reason I like it is <laughs> no no no. So the reason I like it is because it really feels like in that song, they just actually lean into who they are. Okay. That's what it, I don't love the song. Like, right. it's not going to be on my playlist. Yeah, I wrote, I would rather not start a riot. That's my <laughs> comment for that one. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I want to listen to it or it's going to go on my playlist, but I definitely think, like, that is who they wanted to be. Mm-hmm. That, like, angry, like, just sure. furious, energetic noise band. Yeah. And... I was like, okay, so that's who you are, and the rest of the stuff just isn't as authentic, mm-hmm. except for the lyrics, which were raw and cliche. Right. Yeah. All right, I'll let you take Outsider. Yeah, so uh, Adam Gontier is yeah. gone, mm-hmm. uh, and he is replaced by a brother. Of the bassist, yes. <laughs> yeah, the bassist brother. Matt uh, Walst. Matt Walst. He came in and was like, hey, I, uh, I can sing. And it's different, but it's the same. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It Actually, I will say it's definitively worse. 
Fair enough. Um, and the funny thing is, this is the second album with Walst, and all the reviews on this one are like, that first one with Matt Walst was bad, yeah. and this is their big recovery album. Yeah. I was like, well, okay, I, I don't want to hear that one then. Yeah, so here's what I'll say. It has some engaging melodies. Like, Matt Walst isn't a bad singer. No, not at he all. He might be a better singer than Adam Gontier. There are times. Um, like, yeah, Into the Abyss, I felt was like exactly. his strongest. But the band itself is worse. Mm. Their tempos are sluggish, but they're still trying to be as energetic as they were. So it makes me feel like almost like it's disjointed in a way, like it doesn't make much sense. Do you know what my, my theory behind that could be? Sure, what's your theory? When Adam Gontier was in the band, he wrote all the songs for the band. Yeah. Once he left, they started getting a bunch of other people to write all their songs for them. That I, definitely... I think they only write... Um, they like partially write the songs, but they have songwriters who yeah. come on and, and do it with them for each one. So there's a there's a great theory there. I yeah. I, I feel like that could probably yeah, they're not be it. Doing it together anymore because I guess without Gontier they lost their their direction. Yeah, I mean I will say it starts off uh, with right left wrong, and I felt like okay the first thing I noticed was a different singer because I've said it a billion times I don't do any research before I listen so I'm not skewed so I wasn't ready for a different voice. And it was jarringly different, mm -hmm. um, but I got over it pretty quick. Uh, I felt like just overall, the vibe that I got was like they wanted to sound more like Nickelback. Okay, yeah. Three Days sure. Grace didn't sound like Nickelback, but I just felt that vibe. They, they weren't, weren't really, that far off. Well, yeah. They weren't, they were, they were getting poppier. They were getting, you know, like I said, a little more sluggish. Uh, the only one that I kind of didn't mind was The Mountain. Yeah, that one was the one that, that got them like some writing awards and stuff. And yeah. I was like, that's good, but overhyped. It was good. Yeah, it was... it was good. It honestly felt maybe a little too polished for what yeah. Three Days Grace is. I mean, honestly, it's the kind of song where I would be like, fine if somebody put it on but i would never yeah. seek it out again myself sure like, it was just good um but i mean that's basically all i had no i do have a couple uh blurbs i want to say before we score them but I okay i haven't go. yeah um so i i won't add too much to what you're saying uh one thing that kind of took away from the vocals at places was terrible diction yeah like the song strange days all i could hear him say was string cheese the whole time uh like, I, I swear it. to you, I heard it once. I was like, did he just say string cheese? And then I could never hear the real words again after That's that. That's fair. Uh, and the whole vibe of it, and I don't even know to what extent any of them have anything to do with writing the lyrics anymore, but this album was like a, I, I just wrote, look at me, I'm different. Yeah. And I'm sure. I'm so bored with that theme because it's every single song from every single post-grunge band and I'm done with it. <laughs> done okay so that you're that's good it. I, that's it because so if the, i say anything else i'm just gonna keep getting more negative. <laughs> the two things i wanted to talk about uh were one they're both about adam gontier and again it could be gontier it could be gontier uh i'm going we with don't gontier. know i mean it could be gontier i mean they are canadian Oh, it could be Gontier. He is Canadian. I'm going to say Gontier from yeah. now on. Uh, so Gontier, uh, he was a member of the rock super group, the Big Dirty Band. Do you know who oh, else is yeah. in that? I don't. I've never heard of him, actually. Well, uh, somebody's favorite Canadians, Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson. No way. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So I we tried to get Alex on here. Unfortunately, yeah. he's moving today yeah, to an right. undisclosed location. Correct. Uh, some type we will of not small be disclosing bunker. that on the on the podcast at all. No, I will definitely not give you his cell phone number, home number, and zip code. Agreed. Unless you DM me asking for it. Yeah, I mean that's that's reasonable. Then. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Getty Lee, Alex Lifeson, and also Jeff Burrows, Ian Thornley, and Care Failure. Fascinating. 
I only know who two of those people are. Yeah, and same. it's Alex Lyson and Getty Lee. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was pretty cool. So obviously, for those of you who don't know, Getty Lee and Alex Lyson are members of Rush. Rush. And uh, yeah, Alex loves Rush. They're his he favorite does. band. That's correct. Uh, but the other thing that I wanted to talk oh, about, and this one. Uh, in 2009, uh-huh. Adam Gontier worked with Daughtry on the album Leave This Town. That makes so much sense. Yes, they worked together, but it's ironically, his song Back Again that he wrote with Daughtry mm-hmm. didn't make the final cut. Go figure. But, of course, we had our six degrees. That was nice. And now, we now score. Now we'll score them. Okay, so, I mean, they've got a couple hits. They sold some records, man, so they got to get a couple of points here to start off oh, with Cultural sure. Impact. I mean, I would have, if you had asked, I would have guessed that they were a one-hit wonder, but now it's, you know, it's clear that they were not. I'm not average on them, uh, because I think they'll probably only be remembered for about two songs. Um, I think they're already two songs in the public consciousness, except for their niche, that, that, you know, I think their next group, their next number is going to have to be pretty high based on the amount of sales. Sure, they're very good sales. Uh, But the cultural impact, I would be close to average i think yeah I, i'd be okay in the, like the four range yeah uh, I, I mean i can't take too much away from them because yeah. they've consistently sold records and clearly there is someone out there who keeps buying them clearly there, i mean there's the millions. same people who bought the daughtry and the three doors down <laughs> and the nickelback <laughs> records so that's a great point we haven't done nickelback yet right but somebody bought their records man doesn't it feel like we've done nickelback though it basically does <laughs> i think at this point we can we're gonna skip like 10 well, seasons before we do another post grunge <laughs> Um, but okay, what do you want? Uh, do you need much above four? Uh, maybe like a four three. Um, I'll allow I it. I think that's good. I'll allow it. Because um, I also then... think a lot of the problem with them, just real quick, is sure. I think people might get confused with how many people have three. Like they might get yeah. confused with Three Doors Down and Three Days Grace. Yeah. They were both popular around the same time. Yeah. They both have similar styles of music. Mm-hmm. Are they all just one conglomeration? I mean, if we just change our name to Three Lows Totem and start Ooh. making this music, we'll probably sell millions of records. Yeah, that wouldn't be fun. Yeah, I know. They should just form a super group and call themselves Three Doors Grace. I love Six it. Six Doors Grace. Yeah, there are six doors now. There it is. Okay. Um, so six they started at five for Breath of Work. Uh, they go up because- They do. Uh, they're, at least their first three records all went platinum or multi-platinum or multi. in the United States. And after that, After that, they don't have any more certifications in the United States, to be yeah. clear. Yeah. Um, but I mean, and it's also still the fourth album on where uh, other people started coming in and writing their songs for them, yes. slash with them. I so will I say, wonder if that's... in Canada, they have always broken the top ten. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's and also, ever since their first album, they've always broken the top ten in the U.S. rock charts. Right. Uh, but I want to take away a little bit for for the quality. Sure, we can take away a little bit, but but it's I, I mean I'm not out of the fives. I oh I I'm closer to the sixes. Okay. I listen. I understand, but six albums and they sold. They they sold millions. Well. They sold well. Uh, I would probably. I mean, I'd be willing to go to like a five seven. Okay. I, I'm trying to be fair. Okay. I know I didn't like them either, Nick. Uh, instrumental talent. They're a five. Uh, I heard five. I heard average all the time. Yeah, nothing stuck out as bad. The only thing, I mean, the vocals weren't great all the way through, but they were. They were not bad. They just, I didn't like them. I heard a five. That's, I mean, sure. nothing stuck out. Nothing was bad. Yeah. It was fine. It was just fine. Uh, songwriting talent. They wrote the same song over and over again for six albums. And then, uh, and then for the second three albums, <laughs> they, they had to have other people help them write the same songs over and over <laughs> and over again. So I'm uh, under five. 
Yeah, I am also under a five here. Uh, I'm not super low on them or anything. No, like I could even be in the low fours, but it's. it's I agree. I'm not a little special. under average. I mean, they're that is below average because it sticks out. Yeah, like honestly, when you think of average, I should be able to listen to three albums of their music and not feel like I just was like being yelled at and have it be super repetitive. Yeah, totally. Repetitive is the key. If yeah. they were. A band we didn't like, but it was all different. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be much more willing to put totally, them in fives. Totally. Oh, so 100%. yeah, I'm maybe like a four two or four three. I love a four two. Uh, and poetic talent. I mean, for me, it only stuck out when it was below, but most of the time, I thought it was fine. Yeah, I. Th- so I would like to give them a five here. Okay. Um, because I understand where you're coming from that a lot of it was cliche and bad, mm-hmm. but I do think Adam Gontier wrote some true stories and real raw sure. emotion. Sure. And I want to reward that a little bit. I'll, I'll allow it, and I am not allowing any X Factor though. Um, wait. I'll wait. I'm almost positive. No, I'm not 100 percent sure on this. Okay. That Three Days Grace appeared in a Hillary Duff film called Raise Your Voice. Wow. So five points, I think. Okay. As themselves. They appeared as themselves performing a song. Here's the thing. So for me, that's a negative five. (laughs) So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna average that out out to to zero. zero. And we're gonna go to Kansas. It was all a dream. And you were there, and you were there, and you were there too, Mr. Scarecrow. Oh Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. There it is. Okay. (laughs) The look on your face. I was really trying to figure out what was happening for a minute. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, all right. So Kansas, uh, if you didn't catch on, yep, <laughs> uh, is an American rock band. Uh, so they were popular throughout the seventies, um, and they they did this fun thing where they just took a year off and then have been going ever since. So yeah. seventy three to eighty four, and then eighty five to the present. Right. So that's that. Um, let's yeah. grade them. I, guess. I agree. I mean, that's that's all we need. To do. <laughs> no. Uh, very excited to talk about these guys. Agree. Um, we went over three of their albums again. The eponymous debut album. Mm-hmm. We really messed up. Yeah. You know how we messed up, Nick? You know, uh, is it because it was Joe Cocker's second album that was eponymous, where it's the other two artists' first albums? Close. It's okay. because our band, Low Totem, mm-hmm. didn't release an eponymous album. Well, we but can do we it second. Did, we can do it second. We did release an album, though. We did. You're it's right. It's called Lifetime Left to Go. It's available now on all streaming platforms. I've heard it's decent. I've heard it's even middling. Wow. Wow. I've, I'm, I've I'm getting it, very excited when, yeah, when you say I've that. heard it could even be considered fair. Yeah. I, that, so, I mean, that is the word that has been out on exactly. the street. Uh, so you guys should all check it out and leave modest reviews. Right. Yes, that's what we want. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we listened to, yeah, Kansas's eponymous debut album, Kansas. Uh, we then followed that up with Point of No Return from 1977. I should mention that the first album was 1974. Mm-hmm. And then The Absence of Presence which came out in 2020. Yeah. So, oh, it was supposed to come out on your birthday and then it got delayed because of I know. Problems. I saw yeah. the I saw the thing in our mm-hmm. notes that it was yeah. for my birthday and then I saw it came out in July 17th. Yeah, it's sad. I was like, "Nick forgot my birthday." I did. That's what it was. <laughs> but uh, very yeah. excited to talk about it. So I went first. You Nick, did. So, so I will go first. Yes. Um, so funny thing, like Kansas is so in my wheelhouse because they're prog. Uh, but I pulled a pat because Kansas was one of those bands that I've always known the greatest hit CD of, but I never really dug into their discography. And then I, I knew they were coming up this season. I was like, you know what? You I'll waited. Hold off yeah. And I'll get my first impressions of, of their like full See? albums through their discography uh, on the podcast. Way to let the podcast affect yeah. every facet of your life. I know. Like I, do. I know. 
Uh, so first thing I noticed was I was looking at the uh, the cover art and I was like, is that John Brown like leading uh, a slave revolt? <laughs> and it absolutely yeah, is. And it I is. thought that so really cool cover art is something that uh, Kansas just had nailed down. Hundred like, percent. Really great album covers uh, throughout their whole discography. But uh, as far as the music goes, uh, I immediately loved it. Like yeah. right away, right off the bat, that first track. Can I tell you? There's uh, great harmonies going on, wonderful riffing. You've got the violin. That's a part of their uh, main. Yeah. Set. I mean, it's it's great. It's great. I mean, they're prog. I knew you'd love them. Ex- right. Exactly. Um, but I mean, it, it really starts off strong and fast, just like a killer one two. And then you get Lonely Wind, which is this really beautiful change-up song that's just kind of very different in its feel uh, from the first two. Uh, then you have To Close Out the Side. So it's all, it's sort of like you don't hit the full prog until the very last song on side A, Journey yeah. from Maria Braun. Incredible. I, I mean, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, and then it carries on with those super proggy songs on the second half because I, I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce this word. Uh, Aperture, upper shoe, shoe. I, I don't know. Uh, A-P-E-R-C with I a little it's thing Aperthew. on it. Aperthew? Okay. I believe that's what that C means. Okay. It could be absolutely not that. Yeah. Though. Who knows? Uh, but again, that that's a long, that's nearly 10 minutes and it goes directly into the death of Mother Nature Suite, which is the last track on yes. the album, which is nearly eight minutes in and of itself. And the, it's like an I 18 mean, minute. Oh, epic and song. it's beautiful. I mean, it's so good. The musicianship on this record is astounding. The harmonies are great. I mean, I loved every little thing that they did. I mean, it was it's class a Prague as far as I am concerned, like really sure. great work. Um, I love the arrangements. I, I just loved everything about it. I'm just going to keep saying how much I loved it. You okay, talk. so I'm going to talk. So uh, a couple things that I thought were funny before we get into this album. Really just the one. So the band Kansas was formed because two bands from Kansas yes. mm-hmm. f- went together. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Kerry Livgren uh, formed basically with the band White Clover. Right. And they were like, well, we're both we're both bands from Kansas. I guess we're just going to call ourselves Kansas. Right. I love it. I totally. love it. I can't wait to meet and merge with another Pennsylvania band it's and just, just become Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. So yeah, <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, but moving on to the actual album itself, I surprisingly also loved it. That's so good. So I, I know that I've had my issues with Prague, and I stand by them. Uh, I, I'm no sloucher. I stand by them. Uh, but the thing that Kansas does so well is they absolutely don't skimp on the vocal. No, not at all. So that was the big problem that I have with most prog bands is they have these really wonderful, you know, instrumental pieces where they're so tight and they're and they're just really absolutely nailing it and in sync. But there's no vocal at all. Or if there is a vocal, it's like one throwaway line. Sure. And that often happens. You know, what it does is a lot of these bands don't achieve the absolute superstardom they should for their talents because most of the mainstream music listeners want singers. They want mm-hmm. words sure. to they can they can hear. That's how they listen. Kansas gets that. They mix the perfect amount of like pop and rock together. Right. It's like it's like if Boston and Rush had a baby. Interesting. Interesting comparison. Okay. Well, it's, I picked Boston because it's a good, like- It's a good comparison. Like like Kansas, Boston has that super clear piercing high vocal. I thought you were going to say they were named after a place. Also, they were named after a place. <laughs> but right. they're very much like America. <laughs> um. But yeah, so uh, the vocals are stellar. The melodies are really catchy. Um, I really liked the- I like side A more than side B just because I- 
I'm st- I'm still easing into Prague. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> but I liked side B better, but that's I, okay. I mean they were did. both great. They were great sides. Uh, but they had a lot of really good stuff. The violin is prominent right from the start. Right in the right in can I tell you the opening track. Then you move in to uh, a JJ Kale cover, bringing it back, yeah. which I thought was done really really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have this like dust in the wind style ballad with lonely wind uh i guess they only write ballads and name them after wind right that makes sense that's their whole thing mm-hmm. um you go you have the journey of maria braun which is uh based on the herman hess book narcissus and goldman yes right which is uh, you know fascinating so again you're just taking the juxtaposition of the band we just did three days grace where the lyrics were raw and true but kind of lacking in substance, therefore they mm-hmm. ended up being average, to a band who is pulling from like really rich historical texts and like things like that to tell these really comprehensive stories and matching it up with their music, which is varied. Mm-hmm. It just really, you know, it's one of the reasons we do what we do is to like, you get to see the difference between acts like this. Sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I did really enjoy listening to the 18-minute epic Excellent. Um, it was actually really fun for me because I got to work and had to stop like in the middle of it mm-hmm. and then like got out of work and turned on my car and it popped in through the speakers again. <laughs> and I was like, nice. whoa, here we are. We're right back in it. Right. So <laughs> for me, it was an eight and a half hour epic and not just right. not just 18 minutes. Uh, but all that's right. it. That's all I got to say. So all I'm right. going to take us into Point, point of, of No Return. return. And- I, the only thing I my only overarching note is Prague with vocals is so much better. <laughs> I just said it, but like that's my big note for this one because in this one they definitely hit Prague earlier, mm-hmm. so they're hitting that style of music a little earlier. But they do still have those like pop and rock influences. Totally more in the Prague songs now. I thought on I thought on the first album it was kind of like side A was pop rock, side B was Prague. Sure. This one is very much like we are singing Prague pop rock all in one super. Right, exactly. Right, because the songs are like still three, four-minute radio cuts. Yes, which I think is perfect. That does sound like you. Like, seriously, the three- to four-minute Prague song that has stellar vocals but still has those really complex melodies and orchestrations is a perfect song to me. I I totally get it. Like, (laughs) that's so great. I, I think that's super relatable. I think, you know... I don't think it gets much better than that. Yeah. Uh, I think if you go right in, I think Point of No Return is an absolutely beautiful song. Totally. The title track, I want to say it's the strongest title track we've heard in a while. Oh, my God. Yeah. I Uh, mean, it really is. It's got to be. I don't even remember necessarily like the other ones that we that were title tracks that we've done recently. Yeah. But Point of No Return is just like one of the best songs. Yeah. It's just it's that good. It's it's definitely up there. Um, you move on. You have a really beautiful instrumental with the spider. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful in its like directness. I want to say sure because it definitely is fast paced. It's energetic. It's not an instrumental where it's just like oh listen how pretty. It's like an instrumental where you are what's going on in the story. It almost yeah. reminded me of which I guess a lot of Prague does. It almost reminded me of opera, uh, and by opera I mean like the instrumental. Like scenes of opera where there's like a chase mm. going on, like yeah, almost sure. like a la okay. Tom and Jerry a- kind of thing, <laughs> like the music in the background of that, yeah. but in a good way. I hear you. Uh, and then I'll I'll skip a couple of them because I want you to be able to talk about oh, stuff, thank you. and I will just talk about Dust in the Wind, which is a beautiful song. The vocals on Dust in the Wind, and, and such a different thing for Kansas yes. to do relative to the rest of this record, which, which you is wouldn't great. think. Yeah, which because is great. it's by far their biggest song. With uh, their well, other one, Carry on my way. Carry on wayward son is is a close second. I think. I, I think Dust so in the Wind. Here, is, here's is what I'll bigger. tell you. Um, did you know that 
1995, Carry On Wayward Son was the second most played track on U.S. classic rock radio stations, and it was the first most played track in 1997. I'm not saying it's not a very very popular it's, song. Right. I just figured I'd throw that out because it's a cool fact, and that it's seemed a like a good cool place to, to place it. No, it, it is. Natural. It's a Listen, absolutely well-deserved. I'm sad we didn't get to listen to Carry On Wayward Son for the we episode. We all know it. We all know it. Um, and I still think that it does not have a more iconic intro than. Uh, oh, it's such a great intro. Rhapsody. Just hearkening back to our right. Live Are you going to finish the uh, Dustin the Wind thing <laughs> that you're talking about? Uh, I just think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. It's so different. Um, I think a lot of people might think of Kansas as that style of band because of this song. If you've only heard that song, which again, they're not, <laughs> but they are incredible in what they do. Totally. Yeah. And that's it. Okay. So I'll just say a few very quick things because I pretty much am just in agreement with what you had to say. Uh, I'll mention be. Uh, what Robert Taylor's review for All Music said, which is, Interplay and superior musicianship make this both an essential classic rock and progressive rock recording, which is exactly right. Uh, he went on to say stupid stuff like it's had a dated sound. Like uh, you were, he was doing so well, <laughs> and then he pulled a Chris Gal where it sounded like it was going to be a compliment, it must be and the then first it was name. backhanded. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty much perfect. There were I have no critiques of the record. Um, the B side is just as strong as the A side. Everything is really solid. Again, they kind of saved um, their bigger pieces, their more, their yeah. most proggy pieces for the end of each side, Closet yeah. Chronicles and Hopelessly Human. And with the exception of the title track and Dust in the Wind, those are my two other biggest standout tracks that I absolutely adored. Sure. I Which makes sense. Completely get it. Um, but yeah, that's all great. And I'm just going to go all the way to 2020 for the absence of presence. Okay. Uh, and it's kind of a new band. Uh, a lot of Some. people have been changed. Not everyone. Yeah, there's still there's still enough. Right. And now there's a new guy um, who's doing backing vocals and electric guitar uh, named Zach Rizvi, who's kind of taken over as the main writer. Yeah. Um, at this point, um, I believe that... So Steve Walsh is retired from the band. Yes. So he's he's amicably no retired. Yeah. He right. just, oh, totally. He just was like ready to, yeah. to you know retire and and move past his touring life and stuff like that. Uh, and I'm not sure what about Kerry Livgren, but he's no longer with the band for what could be any number of reasons yeah. uh, at this point. So I was a I was a little nervous. You know, I had no idea what to expect. New people are taking over the writing. The classic members of Kansas that did a lot of the most memorable things are no longer here and this album was great this album was really great like phenomenal prog right from the start the absence of presence title track was just totally brilliant uh again there's still really superior harmonies I, going on throughout the record i don't want to cut you off i just did look it up mm -hmm. so uh livgren unfortunately had a stroke oh my god uh he recovered mostly he's still working on musical projects uh but that happened in 2009 and okay. he made a post-stroke appearance with Kansas in 2011, uh, but hasn't really been a part of gotcha. the band since then. Okay, good to know. Uh, so, yeah, that was all part of my, my reservations, but, I mean, really, like, held up in the same way that their 70s work held up. Like, I was... I felt no drop off in the quality of the songwriting uh, or in how pleasant it was to listen. Uh, Jets Overhead had this really killer violin solo, uh, which was just fantastic to listen to. And I actually heard a band that we've done before in here a little bit in the quality of the chords that they were creating harmonically. 
uh, I heard a little bit of, and I'll, I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but it sounded a little bit like an Alice in Chains type of harmony in a lot of spots in this record. Okay. Like it felt like almost they'd been influenced by that grungier style of harmony. Yeah. Or, um, or the reverse, probably more likely. You, you think they inspired the grunge harmony? I said they were inspired by the, the grunge harmonies. Yeah, but th- this what? is 2020. So yeah, grunge okay, happened maybe, in the 90s. They heard right. that and they were like, oh, that's a cool style. We to were add saying the same doing. thing in reverse. Okay. <laughs> I, I was just making sure we agreed at the direction we, of I time. do agree that Alice in Chains happened before this album. Before 2020. That's okay. what I was trying to say. Yeah. But I also may have been asleep. That, it's possible. And then, I mean, the piano <laughs> throughout this whole album is also great. I mean, everything's great. I was expecting a huge drop off and there was none. Okay. I'm done. So I will be more critical of this album. Uh, but first, I have a lot of positives. That's good. Actually, I have some positives and negatives. Nick, which do you want to hear first? What kind I would of like to hear the negatives because I've just given a ton of positives. So you get okay. those out of the way, make a little sandwich. I really only have one major negative. Um, and it definitely is striking to me and very obvious that there's a new writer of the songs mm-hmm. because I felt like the one thing I loved about the f- the second album, Point of No Return, that really nice blending of the prog and the pop rock sure. mixed together into this really relatable and yet still talented sandwich wasn't there as much. And instead it was way more prog. Definitely. And a lot of the songs, even in the prog genre, felt a little too similar to be on the same album. That, I mean, nothing was bad. Super talented still, really at the top of their game musically, and I have a lot of positives to say about that stuff. I just felt like for a band that up until this point has felt extremely varied, Mm -hmm. I didn't get any variance on this album. Okay. And it was like very noticeable because of how good they had been at doing Mm -hmm. it. If they weren't as good at being super varied and different and unique in their songs earlier, it wouldn't have been as big a deal. Right. But that's my one negative. The positives, however, I think still outweigh the negatives. Totally. Um, Instrumentally, it's just a phenomenal album. Nick has already mentioned it. I'm not going to beat the dead horse. The one thing I will say is Ronnie Platt is the Mm -hmm. new singer. Yeah. And so they didn't make the classic mistake that we've witnessed some bands making. Uh, So as bands get older and they bring in new singers, a lot of times they'll go way younger. Mm. It happens. You know, you want to bring in somebody who's definitely still got a voice. And so you bring in somebody who's maybe like 30 years younger than you. Sure. But it makes you sound super young. Mm -hmm. And it just is super like kind of jarring for me because uh, I felt that with like Rainbow. Sure. When yeah, I think yeah. of Richie Blackmore, mm-hmm. I don't think of that like super young vocal sound yeah. I got in the more recent album mm-hmm. from them. And they didn't do that. Ronnie Platt has a phenomenal voice. Totally. Still a ton of range, still a ton of really nice control. But he's older and you can hear the age in his voice. Yeah, which so, is, can be very nice. It And it is nice because I get to still have that journey in my head mm-hmm. of like, okay, so they started here. They've continued to grow. They're an older band who's still putting out great music instead of like, oh, we're trying to stay young. Yeah. Like, it didn't feel like that. And, and, and because of that, I was able to enjoy it so much more. Excellent. And that's that. Good. Let's do some grading. Okay. All right. So um, I think they should get points for cultural impact. Sure, I would agree. I think they should get more than three days grace. I would also agree there. You're not, so far we're in total agreement. (laughs) Okay, good. I mean, where you want to go from there, I would be happy sitting right around a five. Okay. Um, 
but I, I'll leave what comes next up to you. I mean, obviously, they've sold a ton of records. They had um, five golds, two quadruple platinums. Yeah. Um, sustained popularity. Uh, listen, you're not you're not getting me to disagree with you on that. Uh, I would be okay sitting on a five. Um, I because I do think they also have two big hits Huge. and then a third. Uh, right, slightly with, smaller. Right. Mm -hmm. So even if you only know them for the hits, you still know them. Totally. And I think they're very important in music. Uh, and they're named after a state, and everyone's That's heard true. of the state. Everybody is familiar with Kansas. So a five works. All right. Uh, now, breadth of work, we're going to be higher on. I hope you would agree. So they 16, have put out sixteen. Yeah, sixteen studio albums. I already uh, mentioned as Nick. Yeah, the so, golds and quadruple platinums. Exactly. They've sold a lot of records. They have sold more than a few. More than a few, and they're really good, like consistently good from the 70s to 2020. Yeah, uh, that's So that's all like agreeable. even more points. So I am probably in like that sevens range. I could go into the sevens range. Yeah, I, I mean, could, 16 I really high quality records with good sales. It would yeah. be hard to go lower than that, right? I will, listen, just to temper a little bit. Sure. Uh, no thresholds since 1980. True, So. True. Even though the quality, as far as we totally. see it, has not dipped, no, they did not sell another certification since 1980. No well, golds, to be no fair, platinums. the best of Kansas came out in 1984 and also went quadruple platinum. Yeah, but we don't talk about compilations. I know. I know. You're just breaking all the rules, man. I'm sorry. I just wanted to mention it because <laughs> they just keep selling millions yes. of records. Uh, uh, so how about like 7.4? A 7.4 works great. I think it does, I, too. Because, again, I really do love this band. And I'm only going up from there for instrumental talent. I mean, I, these guys are killer. Yeah, I can't. I can't. You can't disagree, yet. right? Like, they're I can't. really good. And I think, and here's the thing. I feel like a lot of times on this podcast, mm -hmm. you kind of open yourself up to losing points when you try other instruments. Right. Because it's one of those things where it's like, uh, like, what if they tried the the violin and it sucked? Right. Then it's like, oh, well, you no, know. No, but the violinist is great. I know, but that's the what I'm, sa I'm saying. The keyboards like, are great. The guitar is great. The vocals are great. It's so hard because we as a group compare solo artists and, mm -hmm. like, just singers to totally. musicians yeah. in this in this category. So sometimes it can get a little wonky. Yeah. Uh, but they don't have that problem because no. they're just killer at everything. Everything. My number is nine. Uh, and I'm agreeing with it. Excellent. Uh, because, and I'll tell you why. They to totally deserve it. Amazing vocals, amazing use of harmony, and then on top of that, you really let every instrument shine. At oh yeah, mm -hmm. I felt really shiny tell. moments from the drums, from the mm -hmm. bass, from the guitar, Everybody's from the violin, talented. from the keys, from the synth. Mm -hmm. Now you I, can't be an average musician and play the kind of music that they put on their records. Oh no, not a, not you know? a chance. Yeah, you just can't do it. Uh, I'm also pretty high on songwriting for a lot of the reasons we've elucidated earlier. Yeah. The records are varied. They're the very varied, strong. The variance is the huge one for me. Right. I mean, and if you do, I mean, the, all the things that we've talked about as hallmarks of songwriting talent, uh, like how well do you write vocal harmonies? How well yeah. do you orchestrate the instruments in your band? Especially when you're a larger band like Kansas that's got a lot of members, multiple guitarists. I mean, Kansas like, is a huge how do you, state. How, right. And flat as a pancake. <laughs> Flatter true. than a pancake. Right. But, you know, how, how well you can figure out how to orchestrate around having all those members of the band and then varying your genres or blending genres and doing something different on different records. And yeah. Kansas checks all those boxes. I completely agree. So I'm several points above average again, but I want yeah. you to say the number out loud this time. Yeah. Because I said the last So two. the only reason I'm a little under a nine is just because I feel like they did a lot of things great and I'm very close to a nine, but I wouldn't necessarily put them in like the goat range of songwriters. How about 8.8? 8. 8. 
8.8 is exactly the number I was thinking. I love it. I like how you said, I want you to say a number and then set a number oh, before I, did. I could say oh, a number. Oh, man. Which I was going to say 8.8. You implied a number. You implied a And number. I implied the 8.8, yeah. 8, and, and you took it. And I it. picked it up. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Uh, I think you've also mentioned that we want to probably be a little bit above average on Poetic Talent as well. I think so. I think so. Uh, you're pulling from legitimate sources, and you're crafting these stories. Uh, Prague opens yourself up to a really interesting way of writing, where you're, you're almost like the narrator. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is how yeah. Kansas does it for a lot of these. Yeah, a lot of a lot of prog bands. We've but then they that. also do have songs where they're writing more traditionally. Mm-hmm. So again, with that variance and the strong lyrics, I mean, "Carry On, Wayward Son," "Dust in the Wind." Yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna hear those and not understand the significance and the power totally. behind the lyrics. Totally. Um, Even so, "Point of No Return" same thing. Yeah, "Point of No Return" is the same thing. So I would be willing to go in the, the probably the high sevens here. I am all about. How about a seven point eight? Let's do a 7.7. You got it. Uh, is there an X factor? Is there a point one for being the most played song on American radio in 1997? That's such a specific. I know, it's such like a that's weird... incredibly specific. It is incredibly specific. Um, I mean, on I'd two be separate willing... years, they were in the top two of most played songs throughout the entire country. I, listen, it's compelling. I'll give you the point one for now. I'll take it. With the caveat that I may take it away in the future. You may. I'll allow it. Uh, now let's go on to Joe Cocker. What would you do if I sang? <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course. What's, what's going on, Nick? It's me, Joe Cocker. Hey, Joe. I don't know what he sounds like. It, Probably a, not like uh, that. He's, he has died. So. Oh, that's not what I meant. Well, I mean, he doesn't sound like much now. Rude. Hey, guys. We're doing Joe Cocker now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Joe, John Robert Joe Cocker, which again, who to thunk? You could just call someone Joe whose name was John. Yeah, I did not know that did, was a thing you could do. Did they think John Cocker was a little too dirty, maybe to be a singer? Oh yeah, I see what you mean. Like, hey, yeah. what's up? It's me, John Cocker. Like maybe a little yeah. bit. Right. I feel, I almost want to bleep myself. Right. And I just said his name. So I got, oh, I'm Peter Johnson. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Uh, better than Richard Johnson because of the nickname. Sure, right. Now I understand. Because there's a nickname for Richard. I don't know if you know. Yeah, Rich. There it is. Yeah, Rich Johnson. Churd. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Please, nobody ever call anyone named Richard Churd. <laughs> or if you have any friends named Richard who don't listen to this podcast, definitely start calling please them Please just churd. call them Churd. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, John Robert Joe Cocker, uh, he was an English singer. Uh, he was very well known for his gritty, gritty voice. It was. Yes, uh, this this man used to gargle razor blades daily. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, but again, not an insult. No. He has a very iconic voice, a totally. very distinct voice, um, and a very talented. The voice. reason why he is so popular because he's so different. For sure. Um, just it's also funny. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna go over three of his albums uh, with a little help from my friends, which came out in 1969, and then Joe Cocker, which Thank came out in 1969, <laughs> and then Fire It Up, which came out in 2012. So yeah. very interesting. This dude hit the ground running. Two yeah. albums in the same year, right? And one of them is his first, and one of them is his most famous or most popular all around. Yeah. You're you're not so, wrong. So, and then was, and then we took a large break. Him. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we also went to the moon I was gonna this say, year. Well, I was going to say two albums and playing Woodstock. That's like a very busy year. Yeah, 
I, he's a busy guy. Yeah. He's a real busy guy. But anyway, it is your turn to go first with, with a little It is my turn so to go I'll first. I'll let you go first. But yeah, I just want to say that uh, we were misnaming him. So, right. Because right. Uh, as as a sir, he's right. a knight. He is. He was knighted by the queen. That's right. Uh, and that's it. I just wanted to say that. Right. And that's your whole review for the album? <laughs> that's my whole review for the album. No, it's not. Uh, here's the thing. Let's Let's get it out of the way. We just did this last week. Joe Cocker doesn't write his own songs. Correct. He writes more than Three Dog Night wrote. Yeah, he he usually contributes to one or two songs on each record, maybe three. Uh, specifically with Chris Stanton. Correct. That those two work together. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't write it. Ninety percent of the songs we're going to go over today were not written by Joe Cocker. He is the mouthpiece. Right. Uh, just wanted to say it now so we're not rehashing it a billion times. Uh, and now let's get into the good stuff. Totally. What <laughs> What an iconic album. Mm-hmm. This dude, I mean, he's taking these songs, which are very different from the way he does them. Oh, yeah. So he mixes them up. I mean, obviously the title track is one of his most famous. I would agree. I would say probably his second. I think he has one song that's You bigger. Are So Beautiful. You Are So Beautiful, I think, is a bigger song. But uh, with a little help from my friends, uh, obviously a cover of the Beatles song of the same name. Beautiful, different, unique version of that song. And he absolutely nails it. Uh, it's interesting that you said um, it's not bad. It's probably my like least favorite cover on this ac- album. Yeah, I, and listen, I get that. Oh, and you, but you also love you to death. Are a huge Beatles fanboy. I am, but he covers other artists that I love, uh, and I just you like don't the love anyone like the better. Beatles though. I, I, yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll talk later. You will. You will, in fact, talk later, or you'll never speak again. I muted his mic. Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, I think that. He did a great job on all of the covers on this album. Uh, starting right off with Feeling All Right, super enjoyable, really gets you kind of just feeling good. Mm-hmm. I just felt like happy yeah. listening to it, which was, it was a little easy because I listened to Joe Cocker right after Three Days Grace, so Helps. I needed to be picked up a little bit. Right. <laughs> but still really, really pleasant. You know what's funny about that song? Can I mention something? You can mention whatever you want. It's a traffic song. Yeah. And Steve Winwood plays on this record, but he doesn't play organ on that song. He plays other songs, but he doesn't play the traffic song? It's like, Steve, you were in traffic. That is actually hilarious. (laughs) Isn't it? (laughs) I didn't know that, and that is Mm -hmm. really funny. Oh, man. Well, hey, maybe, maybe they wouldn't let him. Maybe. Maybe they wanted him in there, but he was being too like too picky about the song. And they were too like, ah, true. just- They needed somebody to make it completely different yeah, from the original. Exactly. See, maybe that's what it was. Sure. Uh, the things that I'll say negative, uh, just a couple. I think the actual Joe Cocker songs are a little weak. Uh, they just, they're a little rhythmically different. Um, so those are Change in Louise, uh, Margarine, and Sandpaper Cadillac. Mm-hmm. Mostly Sandpaper Cadillac. That one felt rhythmically a little off to me. Okay. Um, still really good singer. Uh, they bring in really good musicians for this stuff, too. Totally. Uh, but that's probably it. Uh, Change of okay. Louise I thought was pretty fast-paced, but overall, I really enjoyed this album. Yeah. And I think Joe Cocker uh, definitely has the sounds 50 years older than he is syndrome. Oh, my God. But I don't think he, he's ever not smoking cigarettes when he's either singing or smoking a cigarette. I assume he gets like a carton of cigarettes and lights them on fire in his room when he goes to sleep. <laughs> Maybe. There's a chance. Yeah. Um, but I'll pick up right where you left off. I mean, one thing that really sticks out to me, uh, things you didn't quite mention yet, 
Uh, the two Bob Dylan songs on here. Yeah. It was just so nice to hear someone n- not Bob Dylan singing them. That could sing? That could sing. Ju- his his rendition Nick, of Just Like a Woman is phenomenal. Nick, I loved it. You, it's so different from Dylan's How could you say that when Joe Cocker is not ranked the seventh greatest singer of all time That's by a Rolling great Stone? Point. That's a great point. I take it all back. And Bob Dylan is ranked the seventh greatest singer of all time, <laughs> according to Rolling I Stone. I know. Well, what do they know? Um, Shout but, out if you haven't listened to our non-liner episode right. where we went over that uh, we did. just a little bit ago. We did. Uh, but really killer, really killer covers uh, for Feeling All Right for Just Like a Woman. Uh, don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. Phenomenal. Loved, loved the keyboard solo on that track. Absolutely. I mean, re- it goes to show like the, the great musicianship. Uh, all the people that they brought on on this record were, were fantastic. One of them being Carol Kay, who we've mentioned yeah. before, has played on a ton of tracks. Another one being, uh, you know who played most of the guitars on this record? Was it you? You're so close. Oh. In that I was also in Led Zeppelin for a time. That's a great It's Jimmy point. Page. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Wait. There you go, because he was in the Yardbirds yeah. and the Firm as Look well. Look at us. Mm-hmm. Yes. You didn't so, give me the, the point. I know, but I figured you would catch on. Uh, but yeah, Jimmy Page played most of the guitars on this record. And I already mentioned Steve Winwood. Bunch, ton yeah. of really, really talented people. I could have pressed it for Steve Winwood, but I didn't. No. Uh, so I'll move on to Joe Cocker. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you got to say it with the exclamation point, which is, again, pretty much the same in that he's co-writing maybe one or two songs. It's mostly all just covers from other people. One song. Um, yeah, you're right. On this one, it's only one. Uh, and a, a lot less of his iconic pieces on here uh if we're going to be honest with ourselves um the one that i knew his version of coming in was his cover of she came in through the bathroom window by beatles uh so i was ready for that that was cool um i thought that darling be home soon which was written by john sebastian of course of love and spoonful yeah uh was definitely which i could push the button again but i'm not yeah and part of me part of me was wondering like did I, maybe I just not appreciate this album instantly the way I appreciated the first one just because like I knew all the songs on the first one. So it was just, you know, I was hearing his, even the ones that I didn't know, Joe Cocker's version, I knew the song so I could get into it right away. Um, I don't know if that was the problem with this album I'll or if it you. just wasn't quite as good. So here's what I need to know. Okay. And I'll okay. tell you my theory. Did you listen to them back to back? I did. Okay. I did. So I think that these albums back-to-back or a little hard to swallow sure because it almost just feels like a double yeah it just feels like one 20 song album of right covers. And this is like totally the b-side yeah because they came out in the same year yeah he doesn't sound any different because no time no. has passed right uh so that's what i think your problem might have been i listened to them be. on separate days and i didn't have that problem okay but yeah. i could see having that as right. Be an issue. Yeah, that was definitely an issue. So I didn't quite like it as much. I also, again, thought one of his the weakest cover on here was a Beatles song, his something. version of something. I, I never yeah. need to hear that again. But all, I mean, I don't mean to sound negative because I still enjoyed the record. Yeah. I mean, it's still a good record, but uh, I paled it. in comparison to the first one a little. Uh, I'll start off with now. I'll talk about what yeah. you had talked about last album. He opens with Dear Landlord, another Dylan, Dylan cover, right. and man. Anyone else singing Bob Dylan? I know, I know. So good. (laughs) Anyone else singing Bob Dylan? I like Bob Dylan. I want to make that clear. I I will gladly listen to the songs that Bob Dylan writes, and just, just absolutely wish he found other people to sing them. Well, oftentimes he did. Yeah, and they were so much better. 
most of the every time, time that's true. Every time. Most of the time. That's name true. one time that Bob Dylan sang better than someone who covered him. I can't name a time he sang better than them. That's what I mean. But if I did some research, I could find cover versions that I liked less Ugh, than the original. That's impossible. It's impossible right, to you find. you talk about this record, would uh, you? Sure, I'll talk about the record. Uh, I really did enjoy the first two. So Dear Landlord by Bob Dylan and then Leonard Cohen's Bird on the Wire. Uh, I thought it was a really, really good one-two punch. Sure, yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I did... I did enjoy She Came In Through the Bathroom Window. Uh, again, not as much as, you know. Sure. As, as the guys themselves. Yeah, I mean. But, come on. and then something I didn't really enjoy it as much. Uh, that yeah. song is so beautiful on its own merit. It's, uh, the, the thing about a song like something, you just can't hear it through Joe Cocker's voice. He just doesn't have the voice yeah. to, to do something that tender I, and soft. It, yeah, it's kind of. Exa- I think the problem that I have with it is Joe Cocker, when he gets emotional, mm-hmm. gets very specifically emotional, mm. and I think that he works really well when he takes songs that aren't like that and yeah. puts them there. Okay, something is already there. It's already in that sure. like really sweet emotional space. Yeah, uh, and he doesn't have the tenderness. Exactly what you said. So it's too similar. Right, but then again, you know, I say that, and then I was also thinking like. You know, what we said is possibly his most popular song is You Are So Beautiful. Which is a beautiful, which, is, yeah. which hits know. that it's similar strange. emotional space. Maybe it's just because I did never heard anyone else sing You Are So Beautiful and that's... Maybe. I, I really do just think that this song is too similar to his, to the emotional space that it was already in. Sure. So he okay. didn't change enough of it that it captivated me like he did with With a Little Help From My Friends. Right. Because he takes With a Little Help From My Friends, if I could speak words... Sure. Uh, he takes that from a much more like upbeat tempo harmonics, mm-hmm. you know, different things like that, where it's kind of like a almost a breath of fresh air after Sgt. Pepper's. Sure. So Sgt. Pepper's is like wacky, wild guitar and screamy vocals in a good way. Mm-hmm. And then you go into With a Little Help from My Friends. Sure. And Joe Cocker just is already there and he takes you into an even like smoother place with it. Gotcha. This song doesn't have that luxury. Uh, I will say the last thing that I'll talk about is I liked Delta Lady. I liked that little bluesy piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, all in all, strong. Like you said, maybe a little less strong than the first album. Yeah. Still really good. I agree. And now we're going to jump a billion years into the future. Can I mention something real quick? You about, can mention anything. Uh, you Are So Beautiful that I just found out because I was reading about it while you sure. were talking. Tell me. Uh, you know Nikki Hopkins from the Jeff Beck group yeah. uh, played piano on that song. Interesting. Yeah. Go figure. Wow. I'm not going to push the button. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I, put, just, I just thought it was interesting. I feel interesting. like when a person who does mostly covers, pushing the button every time no, no, they no. do a no, cover. No, I just thought it was interesting that he happened it to was. be the one who was in the it studio playing. It was interesting. Playing. I'm interested. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. No, I've told you all there is to know. Now you talk about uh, Fired Up. <sighs> okay. Uh, so, Nick, we talked about this earlier. Uh, we did. Are you in a positives first mood or a negatives first mood? I am in, let's do positive negative, then I'll do negative positive. Okay. Positives for me. Joe Cocker. Unlike other razor blade gargling artists we've done in the past, right? <laughs> uh, ZZ Top, I'm looking right mm-hmm. at you. Oh my god, yeah, absolutely, still can sing. Yeah, really, at times, really good. Is it better? It's it <laughs> might be better at times. I think he's yeah, pushing strange. his voice less. Right. I think he's mm-hmm. just letting his tone through a little bit. It also right. sounds like he's done a little vocal self care. Probably, yeah. Uh, which is just phenomenal. His voice sounds really good. He definitely yeah. sounds older. So sure. he sounds roughly 120 in comparison to when mm-hmm. he sounded 60 when he was in his 20s. Exactly. Uh, but still just really pleasant to listen to the vocals. Right. 
and the tones and the actual sounds of his voice. But the songs uh, were a, a different story. To it was me. just a night and day from the, yeah. the style of its his original records. Here's the thing that hurts. It felt like Joe Cocker was betrayed by the writers who write for him mm-hmm. because he writes, you know, he does covers, he doesn't write his own music, and so therefore he's a little bit at the mercy of the people who give him the sure. songs to sing. And he can just do his his Joe Cockerist version of those songs. And he certainly did that. Yeah. But these songs were really not that good. Uh, the first song, Fire It Up, he sounded all right on, but he absolutely shouldn't be singing a song like that. Yeah. That was, it, it, it was super weird to have Joe Cocker singing a song that like could have existed, like could have been done by one of the bands we talked about today, Three Days sure. Grace. Could have done that song. And I would have been like, yeah, that's an okay Three Days Grace song. Right. But certainly not a Joe Cocker song. Certainly not. Uh, and then I'll Be Your Doctor felt a little weird and dated to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, he's singing well. It's it's not him, unless he picked these songs. I don't know what kind of control he had over I, picking them. I know nothing. Uh, but either way, not that good. The only one that I kind of enjoyed, I actually enjoyed two of them. Uh, younger, because you finally got that like nice, reflective, older mm-hmm. Joe Cocker mm-hmm. talking about being younger. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one I liked was The Letting Go. Okay. Both were highlights to me on an otherwise album that could have missed. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what did I say? I would. I said I would go negative. You go and negative close first. Out positive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so just a voice in my head, kind of what you were saying. Uh, it felt to me like all of a sudden he went from like rocking and rolling, and being right in the heart of that like late sixties, early seventies yeah. rock movement. To... Which, to be fair, he was. Yeah. Right. 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 But I mean, like that sound that I so much associate with him and his music has changed to like this was almost like a perfectly polished michael bolton type backing track yeah. like it was just like a weird you know what i mean like somebody like that like it was almost brian adamsy or something along those lines and it just doesn't make sense more bolton than adams in the voice. definitely definitely more bolton than in the voice for sure but it just felt like that style of music that like very studio polished uh you know almost like we're creating karaoke tracks for a singer in the sense okay, of like what yeah. they sound like um, it it doesn't work for Joe Cocker. It doesn't have the same charm. Um, it doesn't get, generate the same interest uh, as yeah. what he was doing before did. Uh, again, that's not to say nothing was offensive uh, in terms of the sound. It was all fine to listen to. There were times when it was good to listen to, I thought. Um, for instance, I Come in Peace. Great piano solo on that song. A great piano solo. Loved to listen to that. Uh, I actually thought... Um, Weight of the World was a pretty solid track um, and a good okay. closer for the record. Sure. Um, but other than that, that's, I mean, that's that's pretty much all. It was, it was like, it could have been a fine record, but it just was a weird juxtaposition of the musical tracks yeah. and Joe Cocker. And I wouldn't go back to that kind of style of listening to him. Okay, well, let's grade them. I agree. Uh, where are we at on cultural impact? It's tough because I feel like people know who Joe Cox sure. is. They yeah, know I his mean, name. Right. Uh, I know it was a really big deal when he passed away. Sure. You know, a lot of tributes and stuff to him. I, I, yeah. I feel like he got famous for singing other people's songs. Yeah, very famous for doing that. I mean, he's not as famous as Kansas. He doesn't no. have his, you know, I wouldn't I would, say that. I would but put him in the fours, though. I would be fine with that, too. 
Yeah, I mean, I would actually probably put him right at a four and a half, a little I bit think under that's Kansas. That's fine. Yeah, uh, a little bit above. And I think grace. the only thing we're taking away is he's famous for other people's work. Yeah, that's definitely so. A little bit of that cultural impact belongs to those other people as it, well. It definitely does. Breadth um, of work, though. So we're gonna do the same thing we did with sure. with Three Dog Night. Mm-hmm. There were twenty two studio yeah. albums. Yeah, I mean, a lot of albums. There was definitely a long stretch where none of them were certifying um, at all, like through the 70s, believe it or not. Like from 72, after his first two records that we talked about, he didn't certify again until 1982. But then just has been um, super consistent. Right. I was going to say that was actually in France where he he went cold there. And then after that, a lot of gold and platinum records throughout Europe. Like he, he very much fell off. In the United States, after his first couple of records, and then reemerged as a, like a juggernaut in Europe, just selling silver, gold, and platinum albums in all these different European countries, yeah. up into the the most recent album. So, like every single thing, pretty much came out and at least went gold somewhere. And I completely agree with it. Yeah, of course. So. Those are significantly less records than yeah. the American certifications. He probably didn't sell as much as Kansas did because of all their platinums in the U.S., but whatever. Uh, it's still worth points. There's still 22 records. Obviously, he wrote like 10 songs between those 22 records, so that's a thing. But uh, he's still above average. Probably more. Yeah, no, so I know. So three songs out of the first two, if we extrapolate that. Sure. You know, so. So in the, like 20. 33? Something. Maybe 33. Well, three we'll out see. of two, and then it's 22. Well, so. he had three on the first record, then he only wrote one on the second record, then he didn't write any on the most recent one. So, so who knows? Four, well, if you just take the average of the two, so anyway, four out of two. It's above average. So in between 30 and 40 songs, potentially written by Joe Cocker. And as few as like 20, potentially as well. So we'll say 20 to 40. Okay. Um, <laughs> His breath of work's above average. Where do you want to go with it? Uh, I probably would give him a six. I, I was thinking a six. I think that's totally yeah, fine. I think a six. Uh, instrumental talent. I think we want to have more heavily focus this on his voice than we do on the array yes. of studio musicians who are in and, and out on the sessions. Here's what I'll say. You sitting at home, no matter what we say here, are going to disagree with us. Joe Cocker's voice is extremely divisive. You yes. may love it. You may hate it. Mm-hmm. There is no... There's no universal love of Joe definitely. Cocker. Definitely. It's definitely a super divisive thing. I'm going to go high on this. Okay. I think that his voice is incredibly unique, which is definitely. A, which is arguably in, the most important point part of, of vocals. Sure. Is having a voice that people will remember is yours. Sure. You know, and I think that's important. If you I, sound just like someone, like you know who's running into that a lot is uh the guy from uh we did the oh my gosh, uh Greta Van Fleet. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah. I was like, we did mm-hmm. them. He's running into a lot of that problem because he, he has sounds so much like Robert Plant. Exactly. He has a voice that another human being has had right. exactly before, <laughs> and so he's getting a lot of strife for that. Yeah. So nobody has had the Joe Cocker voice. Yeah, you're not not, wrong. not to that level. You're he's not wrong. Extremely unique. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's pitch accurate, which is also yeah, very important. You're not wrong. He's technically accurate, which is important. He picks songs that showcase his voice very well, or has songs picked for mm-hmm. him that showcases his voice very well. I'm gonna go. It's probably gonna be his highest number here. I want to go like over a six and a half. Okay. I was like maybe a six. So let's average that out to maybe like a six three. I'll allow it. Uh, and again, I also feel like for the most part. Just to talk about the other part, the reason I'm in this, because I kind of was leaning a six vocally. Sure. But he has all those other incredible performances. Yeah, the studio musicians were excellent. 
and famous and, and you know popular. Oh, totally. I mean, totally. So I yeah, bringing it up to the six three range. Six, I'm two fine range with works. It. Uh, look, his songwriting, his poetic, they're gonna go way down. Yes. Uh, here's why I'd be willing to give him like maybe two points for each for the songs and that he wrote. That is more than enough. Yeah, I, I couldn't go higher than two for either. I be, I mean, it does boil down to about twenty songs. I thought the songs that he had were a little weaker than these covers, but yeah. also when you're comparing him to literally two of the greatest songwriters of all time, it's tough. Sure. Yeah, he does. He he does that to himself with yeah, all yeah. the Beatles and Dylan covers. Exactly. He does, he's doing. You know. Uh, but yeah, two points for each of those works. Yeah. Now, uh, Nick, now of course, give us the X factor. The X factor. He's got to get a point for Woodstock. He Absolutely does. Absolutely, get a point for Woodstock. Uh, so I will add that in, and I will give you final scores. Oh my gosh, it's time! And uh, that what we just talked about right there was the undoing of Joe Cocker and why he lost today's episode. Oh, he came in third. He came in third with a twenty-one point eight because he he dropped it all by not writing very many of his songs. I have a two-inch micro penis. Said three days grace in second place. <laughs> and wow, you spoil! I didn't I even know. get to do. I'm sorry. Oh, play, hold play on. The, play the thing. <laughs> And winning today's episode. Uh, Shocked. While also in second place is Three Days Grace. They're first and second. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Obviously, Yikes. Kansas won. Uh, Kansas yeah. won with a 38. Wow. A 38 flat. Okay. They wiped the floor with everybody else in yeah. this episode. And yeah. I'm not surprised at all. Okay. All right. So what were the three scores again? Because we were kind of talking. We had a 21.8 for Cocker. Okay. A 24.2 for Three Days Grace. Mm-hmm. And then beating them by 13.8, Kansas with 38. We should we should take away points from Three Days Grace. I'm okay with it. Let's just take them all away. <laughs> no, all right. They get the automatic minus five for being post uh, grunge <laughs> at the end of your score. Congratulations to Kansas for, uh, for a just hoisting pleasure. themselves into the upper echelon of our uh, rankings. Totally. Well deserved. Uh, if you guys would like to come on the show and talk about your success. That would be amazing. We'd love to have you. We would. As if Kansas is listening. I, I wish they are. Yeah, that would be great. Oh, man. But but you know who is listening to our podcast? Someone we're going to be covering next week. Yeah. Uh, Selena Gomez. Yes, she is. She must be listening. She's I listening assume. to this, yes. And she is looking forward to us talking about her. I, I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, we are rapidly approaching the end of the season. It is right. It is coming up, guys. Uh, so we have two more episodes after this. Right, and we have a very big season finale planned as well. Yes, be a ton stay of fun. tuned for that. And also, find out if we get renewed for season three. Yeah, we're still eagerly awaiting. Yeah, I mean, seriously, our producers are really dragging their feet on this. I know. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned for all of the hard-hitting drama of if we get renewed for another season. Uh, but hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully you guys tune in. Uh, please continue to spread the word about Totem Talks. And uh, maybe if you have some free time, check out our original music, Lifetime Left to Go. But while you're doing all that, have a great day. 